For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. I've been wanting you on the podcast since I started it, I don't know, almost two years ago. Probably two years ago. I think I've been rolling two years. Probably. Um, but I, I've always wanted to do it in person. Yeah. And you're always busy doing stuff, <laughs> like working. Sometimes I have to do that. Making money. <laughs> or losing money. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do a lot of that. Every, every time I call you, you're in a machine doing something. It's because that's my... my answered it everything yeah i can do that yeah we can do that we can get that done mm -hmm. for sure what uh what is your deal like what does a day look like you for, spend a lot of time in equipment for me yeah yeah or just driving around making sure everybody's like hey can you come look at this yeah let me shut my machine off and go look at that for you <laughs> mm -hmm. i'll be over there in like 20 minutes and i spent three hours over there doing that uh -huh. and then i can't get my job done how many jobs will you have running like how many do you have right now? Four, four every single day. So it'll be four, four jobs. Pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> and four, it's four crews. Mostly like north of Salt Lake City. But you'll, 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 mm -hmm. you get around. Oh yeah. We, Park City, we're down here in the Valley. Every once in a while people will go on us to go down to Utah County. Really? Yeah. You've been out in Park City? Yeah. work out there? Yeah. We just got done with one. We'd spent a month up there in January. Really? And luckily there was no snow. So it's kind of nice. That is kind of nice. <laughs> January in Park City. It was just cold, but there was no snow. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, and, and you're primarily just working for homeowners? Builders. Builders? Yeah. So builders, builder. builders that are building houses for their clients. <clears throat> and Utah has a lot of basements. They pretty much have nothing but basements. Their stuff we do slab on grade, like townhomes will do slab on grades. Mm -hmm. But that's really about it. So the builder... Just reaches out to you to dig the basement. Yep. And then they'll pour everything, and then you come back. And then we'll backfill it. We do the sewer, the water, the laterals coming in. Then we'll come oh, back yeah. in, and we'll backfill. Then we'll do the power, the communications, the drain around the around the footings. We'll put the gravel inside. Yeah. And then you'll <clears> do the rock walls. And then we'll do the rock walls. And that's a big thing in Utah. Yeah. And that's – it's – I didn't start out just doing rock walls, but yeah. I started out doing probably 75% rock walls and 25% digs. Really? And then it's kind of evolved to where we've done, like, I would rather dig a basement and do a backfill than set rock walls. Why is that? There's just the, the, 
the cost is so expensive. The materials, they're ridiculous here. Oh, for rock? Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure everybody says, oh, they're, they're expensive here too, but it's like, this is a byproduct, you know? Mm. Like, it's 60 bucks a ton mm-hmm. just to go buy boulders. Yeah. Then you got to truck them. And the demand here, there's just, there's more rock walls here than anywhere else I've seen. It's a pretty common thing. Yeah, it's a very common thing. St. George has a lot of rock walls. Vegas has a lot of rock walls. Vegas. Yeah. You'd be surprised. You're running out around the outsides of Vegas and there's rock walls everywhere down there. What's the deal with rock walls? Uh, I think just natural. Yeah. They just look more natural than a, than a block wall. That's mm-hmm. what I think. And here, it used to be cheap. When I was, when I first started in 97, um, I was delivering and placing boulders for 550 bucks a load. Hmm. So that's like a 13-ton load, 14-ton load. Bought, delivered, and placed. And now it's, we're up around 1650 $1,750. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But the rock used to be $12 a ton. Yeah. And now it's $60 a ton. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. So on digging a basement, the margins are better because there's not the materials. Yeah. And you don't have the abuse on the equipment and the trucks. Oh, that's right. The trucks. Probably just, the trucks oh. just get obliterated. Yeah. They get <clears throat> abused big time. Yeah. Yep. Not necessarily putting them in, but when they dump out, that's when they make all their... That's when they make all the damage. I would have guessed the other way around. <clears throat> usually the guys are pretty good at putting them in. Really? They put them with an excavator with a thumb on it. Mm. So they usually are placing them in there pretty good. And the side dumps too, they're round. And so you can tip the side dump over a little bit so they, they can see exactly mm. what they're doing, which is kind of nice. Yeah, Utah people love the side dumps. Yeah. They're efficient. Yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. First time I saw them, I was like, whoa, <laughs> because they don't stop. Yeah. Well, if if you have a good spot to dump, yep. you don't you don't ever slow down really. You gotta stop with most trucks to engage the PTO oh. to get them to dump. But yeah, if you have a, a big site, you can just keep on rolling. Yeah. Yep. And it's awesome. You think about it, belly dumps, they come out of the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then the axles run over the dirt mm-hmm. or run over the asphalt. Mm-hmm. Well, things get caught up on there. And then as you're going down the road, they're shaking loose. Yeah. And they're creating issues for the cars that are traveling behind them. Well, the side dump just tips <clears> off to the side. You don't have to. You don't drive over it. No, the yeah. tires will go over it. A yeah, bit, yeah. But that's it. The <laughs> with belly dumps too. You can, <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, you can get stuck pretty quick. Ninety percent of the drivers get stuck <laughs> right away. <laughs> There's that thing called momentum. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, momentum. Yeah. It's key. There was this one job that had. Uh, they had to have a dozer, just there to push out trucks yep. belly dumps they're running the little belly dumps in california yep that's all they did yeah push them out push well, them out well here there's a big job going on right now <clears throat> they're building the big road and uh they're bringing in sandy material mm. and so the trucks just chatter and so they get stuck and then there's a loader that just hooks onto the front and pulls them out it's like oh my gosh you guys got to figure this out um so in the the nature of your work is is interesting because you're in, out, in, out, in, out. Like yeah. a big civil contractor, you mobilize your equipment, you do the job, you pull it off. And maybe you have to come back for some little stuff like incidentals, but you, you, you do the job, you leave. Whereas you're like, you have a, you probably have a lot of open jobs at any one given time. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we're, we're transporting each machine, each crew is transporting 
on average two or three times a week. So we do a lot of transports. You and just a, pull with a trailer behind a dump truck? And, and a semi. We have a low bed. Oh, yeah. you have, Yeah, you have a low yeah. bed, too. The funky ones that people think we're crazy to have. Yeah. But, yeah, the, they don't weigh nothing. Yeah, but that's and but that's where you kind of got started in the industry, wasn't it? Yeah, my dad has a transportation. Well, my dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law started a transportation business in Southern California. Yeah. And so I was in that my whole life, but I was never part of it. And when it came time to be part of it, it was like, hey. And I'm like, nope, I don't want it. I want to stay away from trucks. What is it, performance? Or? Yeah, performance transport. Performance transport, and they have the yellow trucks. Yeah, yellow and orange. Yeah. They do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, they do really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you now decided to go just, be a contractor. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I decided to go just to move out of California and move to Utah. Mm. And then I went to work for a guy here that was an excavation contractor <clears> and started with the ground on the ground up from him. I really didn't know anything. But his guys would <laughs> his guys would take long lunches or they'd come in late. Yeah. And uh I just take a half hour, 45 minutes, I come back to work and nothing to do. So mess around with the machine. I'd put in pipe by myself. <laughs> nice. Equipment, run the pipe, come back up, so backfill it. Get get yeah. out of the machine. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I learned. Yeah. Was because the other guys didn't want to do it. That's probably a lot of people have joked. It's like a half joke, but I think that's one of the best ways to learn how to run equipment or learn how to do things. One hundred percent. Someone doesn't show up because they had too much to drink the night before. So, yeah. And you're there, ready to go. Yep. So you have at it, and yep. Wait, right now is entitled, hundred mm-hmm. percent, and nobody wants to wait for anything, but. The more time you put in, the more you learn, the better off you're going to be in the end. Like right now, I just bought a 315 cat and I'm waiting for the Incon and the CMP grapple. And it's funny because I can go set a rock wall with it mm-hmm. with just a bucket with no thumb, no nothing. And my guys are like, dude, how do you do that? Well, I, I was able to actually learn how to do it without long time ago. And so that's helped me now because I didn't. I didn't have those luxuries. Yeah. If I wanted one of my guys to go set a rock wall without a thumb or without a grapple, a two-day job would take him a week. Yeah. And that's just not, I'm not going to do that. And then the Incon helps out even more. Because then you can, it's, I've seen like some of your video, it's pretty slick because the rock, you think it's just, you're just stacking rocks. Mm -hmm. It's obviously not just stacking rocks, (laughs) but you have to, what the Incon's pretty cool because you can grab it and then the grapple, you can grab onto it. And then you can turn the rock and spin it around. Kind of, you can tell you're looking at what the rock is actually shaped like. Yeah. And then from there, you can determine where the hell it should go. Yep. Well, and those are the things that nobody really thinks about. You know, like the thumb, you can do whatever you want to do with the thumb, but you still have to move it around quite a bit with mm-hmm. the thumb. Yeah. Where with a, a grapple that rotates, you can, you can put it wherever you want. And when you put it in there, it's usually done. Like you don't have to touch it. Every once in a while, you'll have to move it over a little bit, but that's it. Is that the setup you had before you did an Incon? was just a grapple? Yeah. I had just a rotating grapple that I bought back in 2002. And I still have that grapple. And it won't go on the, it won't go on the Incons because it's a rotating grapple. But it's, it's, a, it's a dang good piece of equipment. And that's what led me into buying an Incon. Because I, I knew how much it sped us up. 
And I knew if I had to spend X amount of dollars for the grapple, then, and it was as efficient as it was, mm -hmm. then to spend more or less the same amount of money on an income, but be able to twist my buckets and tilt them, turn them around, you know, without having to disconnect them, I knew that that was going to be a good deal. When did you get the income? February, I think, of 2018 was when it was when my first one got installed. So you've had a while. You've had it for a while now. Yeah. Yeah, we've had them for almost three years now. And they weren't all that popular before. There weren't too many people. There still aren't too many people running them. No, there's really not. I mean, there is, but there isn't. Mm -hmm. You know, like, There is on social media, but oh, yeah. in the real world, I very rarely see Social them. media is a small place. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's... There's just, there's so much potential to them that it's still untapped. Well, I've talked to like the Swedes and some of the, some of the Europeans and they, they, they just don't even get it. They're like, why the hell don't you have these on everything? <laughs> like, you mean, you mean you don't have these on excavators? You mean everyone doesn't run? Like, how do you get anything done? And it is interesting because it's like, so if everybody has this on their machine over there, it must be pretty valuable or else they wouldn't have it. Well, you stop and think about it. There's not a lot of dozers over there. There's not a lot of graders over there, right? Well, they do everything with these wheeled excavators. Yeah. So that's where, that's where a lot of it comes into play is the wheeled excavators. Yeah. And so they're doing stuff with the wheeled excavators. I mean, they're grading roads with the wheeled excavators are doing all that stuff. And so a lot of times if you have one machine that does more or less everything on the project, then why not have a tilt rotator on it? Because it can help you do that much more yeah you know for us digging a basement with the tilt rotator isn't isn't efficient really it's just not because it, it the breakout force is and it slows mm. you down so it slows down your breakout force and it slows down your your really your cycle times hmm. but when it comes to like sandy material where it's not real hard you can usually get through that really easy like really quick really easy or if you're on a hillside and you have to slow up your sides then it's really good for that too. Like usually we'll use them for the water and the sewer connection and the land drain connection because mm -hmm. we can slope the trenches and slope them back and that's super quick. Mm. And then usually we'll take them off of the basement digs and then we'll put them back on for the backfills because you can do so much more with them with the backfill. You can place material exactly where you want. You can place material over top of the pipe, you know, up against the wall, you know, rather than turning the bucket around. And then when you turn the bucket around, when you go and you come in, the gravel wants to fall out of the bucket. Yeah. But if you turn the bucket around to you normally, and then you turn your bucket around when you go up against, to go up against the wall, it's like no big deal. Really? You're right up against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the a big thing is the EC oil. Being oh, able that's to the change nice thing. out the, the oil, the hydraulic oils, yeah. like hydraulically, automatically, and not have to do them manually is huge. I talked to Shay Stutzman about that not too long ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he is he is sold on the oh, EC oil thing. 100%. And he's like, yeah, dude, the other day, they changed implements a hundred times yeah. in a day yeah. doing some demo project. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but they needed to hammer for a little bit and then yep. grab a bucket or whatever it is. He's like, it was a game changer. And now he's putting it on everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And. It's it's those things, you know, like he was telling me that he had figured out he was going to have to change his attachments like up to 500 times on one job. And so he's like, if I don't have this, he says, it's going to make us a lot slower. Mm -hmm. 
And it says, yeah, it will. And now in order to get through frost, you know, cause he's an Aspen to get through frost, he throws a hammer on it. He, he was telling me he used to have one hammer. And now I think he has six or seven. Really? Because it's so easy for him to go back and forth. Wow. And it's so quick. You know, I mean, he uses oil quick. Yeah. Which is probably the best, the best automatic oil you can get out there. Oh, yeah. There's different kinds. There's different kinds for sure. Uh, yep. And so oil quick is not limited by its flow. So and EC oil is because you only get so much goes through those blocks. Hmm. So it's it's interesting what what's out there. I mean, the EC oil works great, but there are limitations. The oil quick, there's pretty much no limitations. But the EC oil is nice because you can take the you you can drop the Encon. Oh yeah. So you can show up with your Encon, and you can drop it and yep. dig a basement without and then it. grab it whenever you need it. Yeah. Yep. And that's a big thing right there. Really, really big. Really, really big thing. To like be able to take and put a like we have an NPK compactor mm -hmm. and we take the Encon off and go straight to compactor and we can get really, really good compaction out of that. Is that like one of those plate compactors? Yeah. Or big, yeah, big plate compactor. Yeah, yeah. Not the mm -hmm. wheel. No. No. And then we can use the wheel on the end of the Encon and it works great because you can turn it, angle it, do whatever oh, you need to do. Oh yeah. But it doesn't always work great when you're going sideways. You just can't get enough compaction because you can't get it, can't, can't push it weight. down enough. Yeah. Because you're trying to turn and push down at the same time. And everybody knows it doesn't work very good. <laughs> but the wheel works really good if you're just back and forth just really quick. The wheel is actually quicker. But the hoe pack in certain soils, it, it works better. I'd never seen a I was I was always in I started out in Arizona. Yep. And it's sandy sandy soil yeah with not a lot of water in it so you have to mix in a lot of water to get your compaction a lot of water so there's yep. always some somebody with a water truck with a hose or a <laughs> water wagon or something and when we were backfilling pipe that's all we would use is those compaction wheels yep they're just they're unbelievably effective when you know how to run them because yeah. you can do it in a stupid way too and i'd never seen one of those hoe packs mm -hmm. until i started traveling yeah i was like the hell are these and why the hell would you use one of these compared to a, a, a compaction wheel it just makes more sense but yeah. it's they're different we'll see and a lot of people are the opposite of you a lot of people have seen the hoe packs but never seen the wheels well, i know you guys put the wheels on the internet and people are like what the what's, hell is that that yeah yeah and the wheels will achieve as good of compaction as the <clears> hoe packs it just depends on the so on the soil and, and the water the moisture content moisture is big you know like a wheel is like you take flour right you take dry, fluffy fl flour and you add water to it. Well, mm -hmm. it's just going to sit up on top. As soon as you start mixing it in, yeah. that's when that flour gets gets water in it. And then all of a sudden you have, you have like dough, right? Well, it's the same thing with a wheel. It's just mixing it in because it starts at the bottom and it works its way back up. Mm -hmm. And so that's just mixing the water into it. That's why a wheel works so good in like clay conditions because you don't have to add water to it and you don't want it to pump. Or it works in really good in like Arizona type of dirt here, um, California, Nevada, you know, all those guys like to use the wheels. They, <laughs> they really like the wheels. I just like the wheels because there's no, you don't have to mess with hydraulics or anything like that. Yeah. They're just, they're idiot proof. And then they have the kind little. Kind of. Well, yeah, yeah. You have to know. <laughs> what you're, yeah, yeah. But I like that they have a the little scraper too. 
Yeah. You, I've seen guys do a lot of things with those oh, yeah. with those wheels. You definitely can do a lot of things with the wheels. Yeah. But the biggest problem is a lot of the wheels have grease points. So they have a bearing that goes in the middle. Oh. And so you have to grease those. Well, with the nature of the way the wheels work, you've got the grease zerks down in the dirt a lot of times. Or you've got a hose that comes up from the bottom that comes mm. up. Well, no matter what, the grease zerks always get knocked. And they always get, you know, broken off. Yeah. Well, like for guys like me, we don't have a service truck, service guy, stuff like that. So you got to rely on your guys to make sure that they're working. Well, yeah. they're always in a hurry to get things done. You know, I'm always pushing them to get done, get done, get done. So those zerks don't always get taken care of. They don't always get fixed. They don't always get greased, of course. But the Felco wheels, they, you don't have to grease them. The, and, oh, is that right? They have like a five-year warranty. Yeah, and since we went to the Felco wheels, it, they, they actually work every bit as good, if not better, and you don't have to grease them. I didn't fully understand how much pain in the ass greasing a machine is until I had a machine. It's <laughs> it's a total pain in the ass. And then they put some of these grease points in places where you're yeah. like, what? I'm not a f- five-year-old. Like, I don't have this little baby hand that can, <laughs> like, how the hell do you even get to that? Yeah. It's it's. It's yep. super annoying. Yep. <laughs> and then and then every time I grease the machine, I'll, I'll find two more that yep. I've never found before. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> or like sometimes, like your bucket, right? Your bucket, you won't it won't take grease because it's got too much dirt in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or like you got to find the Zerks and you got to dig them out. And that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like we just put on um, grease systems. We've had a grease system on the 250 for a while now. And then... I just decided to put one on my new 210 and one on my 624K. So now both of those have Graco systems on them. And those mm-hmm. systems work out. They're they're great. Like I don't, I think I might put a grease system on my 315 just so it's done. But all I have to do is just grease the, uh, grease the, 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 the cassette grab on the Incon. That's all I'm going to have to grease. So it'll be kind of nice because then you don't have to worry about it. You just have to worry about the cartridge getting greased. So you got to use your grease gun to grease one point and that fills up the reservoir. Yeah. And then it turns on and it automatically greases and you can, you can adjust the timing on it. You can more or less, which is really nice. When you go to, when you go to sell it, people don't have to worry about hey, do you ever grease this thing? They don't worry about sloppy pins. Well, they, they don't have to worry about that, but it's really, uh, it's really a time savings too. 100%. Greasing a machine, it, it takes quite a bit of time. Yeah. And especially if, like, you don't have a service guy running around <laughs> greasing all your equipment every day. No. So if you can eliminate that, yeah, that time that your guys have to spend doing that. Which makes it really nice. Yeah. They'll spend 15, 20 minutes a week putting grease inside the cartridge mm-hmm. and that's it and you know these these grease guns you just turn them on on automatic and they'll pump through a whole tube in a matter of three or four minutes yeah you know and you put in four or five tubes you know your 20 30 minutes of greasing is once a week nice which is nice yeah you got to check them to make sure that they're all getting grease all the different points but that's all part of looking over the machine in the morning while it's warming up. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys just get in their machines and just start them up and go. And you're Shutter like, rip. wait a minute. That, and you can do that in your car, but don't do that in my tractor. I um, <laughs> I made a caption this morning about we went to North Dakota to go so to some of the coal mines again. Yep. Second year we went up in middle of winter, it's uh-huh. January. <laughs> and they had 
the we went to the Falkirk mine on a Saturday because they run seven days a week, <clears throat> but they don't run the overburdened crew on the weekends. I think it was the reclamation crew, the reclamation okay. crew, and yep. so they're the ones stripping out ahead, and then they're the ones reclaiming the the, the after land. they pull the coal. Yeah. After they pull the coal. Yeah. So they're basically. They're stripping ahead, taking it around the cut, and then dumping it where it's already been mined. So it's they're continuously reclaiming. But they run 789s and 793s, so big haul trucks. They built this building that's the size of at least a football <laughs> field, I think a little bit more, to put their trucks inside of when they're not running them on the weekends or overnight sometimes because yeah. they did the math on it. It's cheaper to build a building that's heated. And have them already to 50, 60 degrees when they start warming them up, because they still have to warm them up from there, obviously. Yeah. Then it's minus 20, cold starting that thing and waiting and, and having all of that idle time on the machines. It's cheaper to just build a building that's heated wow. than to have all of that idle time on their entire fleet. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So the crew gets gets up, they open up the big the big bay doors. They drive all the trucks out, they warm them up just a little bit, and then they're off to the races. Even when it's minus 20, they're already 60 degrees. Already 60 degrees. Yeah, so that's probably 20 minutes worth of, of wait time right there, 30 mm -hmm. minutes worth of wait time. Yeah. Plus, it's, it's better on the motors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and the problem with the big trucks is there's so much, there's, there's just so much fluid in those things. Oh, yeah. Oil and, and all <laughs> of that, it's just, it takes a long time to get it up to up temperature. Yep. Imagine um, all that fuel being gelled too, you know, mm -hmm. and all those different lines. No kidding. Yeah. Um, why did you buy the 315? <laughs> you want to know honestly? Yes. So <laughs> everything everything boils down to price, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah, over the length of a, of a machine, maybe one's going to be cheaper than another. Ever since 97, I've always dealt with CAT. And then in 2002, I started dealing with John Deere. And everybody's like, you're, you're a deer guy. Well, I'm not really a deer guy or a cat guy. I'm, I like both of them. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're a guy that digs holes. Yeah. Like, I'm a guy who likes to be efficient. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't wanna, I don't want a machine that's going to take me twice as long to do a job. And so what I did was... Um, back in 2020, just before the, hit the fan, um, went down to Tanaha as a social media group. Yeah. And. It, oh yeah. I was there. Yeah. Was I there? It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it had rained, but we could still run the tractors a little bit. And they had a 315 that hadn't been, that had, that it hadn't been debuted yet. And so I got in that 315. I just got to just run on the concrete. So nothing really that big of a deal, but it was fast. And I like fast machines, fast and smooth. Mm -hmm. And so I got out of that. I'm like, that's pretty fast. I don't know how smooth it is, but that's, that's pretty fast. Well, so I rented a Deer 135. Actually, it was a Hitachi 135. And we ran it for about a month. And it was okay. It wasn't as fast as I thought it should be. Um, and then later this year, I was thinking, you know, well, actually, it was later last year. It was in 21. I was figuring, you know, let's let's look at at a at a machine, you know. So we rented a Deer 135, and we had it for about a month and a half, two mm -hmm. months, and it just does. It wasn't as strong or as fast as I thought it should be. 
but you know, you never know. So then, um, got pricing for it, was in the market and thought I need to look into 315. Well, I got a price on the 315 and it was way more than I wanted, but it also had a lot of options on it that I didn't want on it. Yeah. And so I went back and like I, what, like what's an option you don't want? I don't want thumb. Uh, um, yeah. I don't want a quick connect. A blade? I want a blade. You want it um, I don't necessarily care about the, the rubber pads on the tracks. Mm -hmm. So I went back and started, you know, stripping things down. And I told my, my guys at Weeder, this is, this is what I want a price on. And then I told my guys at Han, this is what I want a price on. And they both gave me prices on what I was after. And it just so happened that the cat was like 900 bucks less, hmm. which really surprised me. Well, then I got looking around and I had a guy send me a picture of one that was on the uh, Facebook equipment mm -hmm. page and it was for sale. It only had 300 hours on it. So I went back uh, to Ohio and looked at it and ran it for about an hour and a half. And immediately, I had already spent almost two months in a 135. And immediately I knew that it was faster hmm. and it was as smooth if not smoother because now it's faster so you got to put them together sure and uh it was cheaper because it had 300 hours on it well then i started looking through it it had 211 hours of idle time <laughs> so it had roughly 100 less than 100 hours of run time mm -hmm. and it already had 3d gps on it and so i'm like you know mm -hmm. what like i got to pay for the gps but that's no big deal because it's I'm getting it cheaper than what I could get it for normally. And the machine itself is cheaper. So that was why I went with it. I was just talking to Jonathan about this. It's and how people are always looking for a better deal. It doesn't matter necessarily who you've consistently done business with, especially yeah. nowadays. It's if you can help my business do better than where I'm at now, I'm going to go over there and yeah. I'm going to give that a shot because yeah. it's, and, and that's what like literally what he just said was it's not like our customer's problem is not service and parts and equipment. It's, you know, our customer's problem is I need to go dig a basement. I need to go set a rock wall. I'm just looking for the best tool for that. That's all it is. And it's not as much this just blind loyalty to a brand anymore. I think it's like that right now because it's so busy. Mm -hmm. And because machines are hard to get mm. like me personally, I don't really know that I would ever go outside of a deer or a cat. Yeah. You know, maybe a Volvo. They're, they're pretty nice machines. They're really nice, but they have their issues. But then again, all machines have their issues. Right. So I don't know that I would ever go outside of a deer or a cat. That being said, they also have to be a good price. And Weeder's always taking good care of me. We had our we had our ups and downs with one of the guys who was in who was in their uh, in their parts when I very first started. Um, we butted heads a little bit, so it gave me a little bit of a sour taste. Sure, but uh, for the most part, if I don't have a deer in that size class, it's because I prefer the cat over the deer in that in that specific class. And a lot of people will say, "Why didn't you have this?" Well. I like the deer better in that class or I like the cat better in that class. And that's, that's what sways me because I know that I'm taking care of a weeder. 
I know I've taken care of at Hanan. Yeah. And I know I get along very well with my salesmen at both companies. So for me, it's easy for me to decide on what, what I want, not necessarily based everything on price, but be based off of performance. Well, and you're, you're in all these machines. Yeah. So you're choosing them a lot of times personal preference as well. Like, Hey, yes. this, I much prefer this machine over this one. Yeah. And if, if I can be more productive in one machine over the other, then, your guys can. then I would, then I would think my guys can be too. Yeah. And one of my guys said to me one day, he says, it doesn't matter because you're not going to run it. Well, eventually I'm going to run it. You know, those guys go on vacation. Somebody's got to fill the shoes. Mm -hmm. So I got to jump in and I got to run it. So for me, it has to be, in my opinion, the superior product over the next one. So for me, it's like I already have these relationships with Weir and with Hanan. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do either one. And so it's pretty rare that I'll, I'll venture out away from that. Isn't it funny how much people on the internet care about what kind of machine you get? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, it doesn't really matter. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my choice. It's my money. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, like a lot of guys are like, hey, why don't you buy this? I'm like, because I didn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, I mean, and like, that's all you have to say. Like, yeah. I, I didn't want it. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sure. I could have <laughs> saved some money, uh -huh. but it's not always about money right now. It's about what's going to happen in the long run. You know, which one can I be more productive with? Which one can I get more jobs done with? And sometimes it's just personal preference. Yeah. It's like I drive a Ford because I just, I just preferred them. I've driven the other ones and yep. I just, I just prefer it. And, and, and maybe the other ones are better and, and, and I'm worse off, but it's like, this is what I prefer. So yeah. Okay. Here I am. <laughs> and I'm the one driving it. So yep. I don't know why this is a discussion. Yeah. Like a 315, they had one coming in for me here at Weeder, And I was like, when I found the other one in Ohio, I went with that one. And it also saved me on sales tax. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pay sales tax on it either, that's which right. was huge for me. Yeah. You know, that's another 25, 30 grand right there. But then Wheeler's not going to be upset about it because you're still parts and service. Oh, yeah. It's still going through them. Yeah. If, if any dealer is mad about their customer buying a machine, a used machine from someone else, I think they got to get their head checked. Yeah. Because no matter what, it's all about what, what, what does a dealer sell? They sell, they sell service and they sell parts, mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to, and they probably make their most amount of money on parts and service. Mm -hmm. So supposedly they don't make anything on, on equipment, which I call bogus, but whatever. So as far as I'm concerned, if I didn't buy the machine from you, I'm still getting, I'm still getting all the parts and I'm still getting service from you guys. So let's just work together here on it. Yeah. You know, rather than turn your, turn your nose up at me. It's pretty crazy. You found one of those machines. Yeah, used they were, as good of a, like, that's all. They're hard. Anything is hard to find, right? They're now. hard to find. They're, I know. They're really hard to find. Like I saw the auctions. All the auctions just came and went in February. Uh -huh. And that was one of the common things was, I don't know if I'd buy anything out of the auctions because <laughs> equipment is in short supply right now. Yeah. And and I'm sure there was some good stuff, but it, it does make sense. It's whatever's being sold right now probably isn't the best. Yeah. Well, why are they selling it? You know, it's a yeah. hot market. Which so is exactly it. Everything, everything should be busy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, there's, there's some, there's some questionable stuff out there for sure. But this machine, when I looked through it, it was like, this is kind of a no brainer. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the stupid stickers on it, but you want to put them back on. See, 
we differ in that. Like, I'm okay with the logo. Terrible. But see, like, I've always had a red and black logo yeah. ever since I started. And Cat, now they have the red and black too. Like, I like it. You yeah. don't like it. but I'd, I'd make the counterweight look so good with <laughs> rock structures on there. and It will look good with rock structures look, on there. Like, put, like, a graphic like that on the back, <laughs> just looking badass. I've thought about that, but I'm just like, no, I don't think so. Man. I don't want to have a deer on the back of my cat. That'd be funny. Well, I don't have a skid loader, cat skid loader on the back of my cat. Sure. That'd look funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could get a picture of your new 315. 315 on the back of 315. See, I'm the branding guy. I guess we could. This is what I do. <laughs> um, you Cat would like you for that. They would like me for that, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as we say this, inside of a cat dealership. Yeah, for sure. Um, you have invested quite a bit in 3D. Oh, yeah. GPS. Yeah. What's the deal with that? You know, for us on some of these jobs that we do, we do them on hillsides where they're big, expansive lots. And so for us to have GPS on it, it's really, really important. Because a lot of times we'll have a loader that will knock out a stake. Mm -hmm. With GPS, you don't really have to worry about it. GPS is good and bad. It makes, it makes you kind of a little bit lazy. And if you're not paying attention, you you could, in some spots, not have enough room for your footings to go in. Mm. So you have to watch out for it. But like 2D, 2D is phenomenal. Like is, there's some steps to 2D that you have to make. And if you don't make it, then you got to go back and start over. And so you got to go back to your starting point and then work your way back through it, which is not hard. It's just a pain in the butt. 3D is always there. Um but the reason why we did 3D essentially was because of some of these big lots that we've been doing. And you don't have to stake them out. Mm. You just have to get everything calibrated on the site, and then you go out and dig it. Like, the where I met you originally was Dave Sparks's Yep, lot. up on the hill. And that was... That was a massive site. It was terrible. That was that. <laughs> you you were there. You were there a long time. Maybe like, what, like a year and a half, two years? Yeah, on and off for like yeah. three years. Three years. Yeah. I mean, we hauled out. I don't know, 1,800 loads of dirt, 1,800 dump truck loads of dirt. In That's there. insane. Yeah. And we hauled in probably 50 or 60 um, loads of boulders. Wow. Yeah, all come out of Idaho. But uh, that would have been like a perfect one to have GPS on. Yeah, because you, yeah, you didn't have it at the time. Mm, no. Hmm. I don't even know if I had. Yeah, I had 2D on there at that time. Yeah. But the 3D would have been phenomenal because it was a big hillside. And we dug it, you know, to the stakes and without, without GPS and everything fit just fine because that's what we're used to. You know, we're not used to the GPS. We're not used to having all that. But there are some things that make life a lot easier. Like we had a GPS dozer and we cut a, a hillside down seven feet hmm. and pushed it out and built the road into it. The nicest thing about that was we didn't have to move all the dirt twice. That was a pretty big job. Yeah. It was a big job. Yeah. We didn't have to move the dirt that didn't have to be moved. You know, we could just push it out to a certain point, backfill it, compact, you know, compact the road in. And then when I came in to do the, to do the, the pit run for the base of the road, it was, I cut it right to that grade. Mm. And then up on the sides, I left it high. And then we put in all the pit run in between it. Didn't go over on what I had originally anticipated. Yeah. It was great. It worked out wonderful. You know, so there's things, there's certain jobs that, in my opinion, the GPS pays for itself. 
like big pads, things like that, like these commercial contractors, they can pay for it in in one in one job because of the amount of material they're bringing in mm-hmm. that they could be over or under on, and they're they're perfect. Yeah, that's right. Because it's not just time savings that yeah. you're making your money; it's material, it's material, and just diesel burned and yeah, right, especially right now. Oof. Yeah, a lot of it's a lot of it is material. Mm-hmm. Like you can bring in exactly what you need and put it exactly to to great. It's not it's not cheap. No, it's not. <laughs> but is anything that's worth having cheap? Yeah. Like nothing nowadays is cheap. And if it's worth having, then you're gonna pay for it up front. But your return on your investments is gonna be realized pretty quick. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kinda like it's kinda like the tilt rotators. Yeah. You know, tilt rotators and GPS in my opinion are two of the things I think you're gonna see on a lot of excavators over the next three to five years. Almost all of them. You've been <clears throat> well, GPS is starting to get super common. Oh yeah. Uh, you've been pretty vocal about both of those things. Yeah. Why are you so vocal about it? Why don't you just do your thing, make your money? Well, a lot of times, like being is where I started in 97, I was 21. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have anybody helping me. And so to me, where I've gotten to now, if I can help people, then I'm all about it. I mean, I'll even help the guy who's in my competition. You know, I'll help them through things or they'll ask me for pricing or whatever. I'm all about just being an open book. I'm totally easy to get along with. I mean, unless you cross me, then we're good. You know, like just don't piss me off. Yeah. Being a redhead. Punch a wall. Yeah. I won't talk about that one. (laughs) But, you know, it's one of those things where if I had help as I came up in the industry, then I would be a lot smarter than I am today. Mm. And so to me, Showing people the how these things can help them be better at their jobs or be more efficient or be more profitable because efficiency equals profitability, right? So as far as I'm concerned, if, if somebody asks me, somebody reaches out to me and asks me the question of, hey, what about this or that? Mm-hmm. I have no problem talking to them about it because I wish that they would have, somebody would have done that to me. If I would have asked, hey, this is... This is what I, this is the way I would, like, I always treat people the way I think I want to be treated. Sure. And so as far as I'm concerned, if you ask the question, you're sincere in it, then I'm going to, I'm going to answer it back. Otherwise you wouldn't have wanted to know. You probably, I, I get a lot of dumb stuff in my DMs, but I imagine you get a lot of questions on social media. Tons of questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like. There's some dumb ones for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some dumb ones, but there's a lot of genuine interest. Like people like want to know, and it's funny because my wife, she's like, "Why do you spend so much time on that? You know, and why do you why do you answer back everybody that, that asks you?" And she was, it was really funny because one day she was, she was going off on me about something, <laughs> and I got this text, this DM back in, and this guy was more or less thanking me for putting it out there and for answering his questions and that. And and I just, I had read like a part of it and I didn't read the whole thing. And I just gave it over to her because we're driving down the road. I gave it to her and she started reading through it out loud to me. I'm like, that's where I stopped. And she kept going. And I'm like, there was even more to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's those people that, that genuinely want to know 
that genuinely ask a question that I'm more than happy to spend 15 or 20 minutes of my time responding back to them. You know, or if I have to have an hour long conversation with them through a text, which I hate doing, but that doesn't matter because yeah. it's what they, it's, it's them asking the question. If I was in the same situation and I was asking you the question, like I would want you to return, I, I would want you to answer to me, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm asking the question like, Hey, I know that you're busy, but will you just explain this to me and then I'll leave you alone kind of a thing, you know? And that's the thing is if you want to know, you want to know. Yeah. And so if you ask somebody that you think knows the answer to that or can help you through it, that's why you're going to ask them. So I, I want to, I want to be upfront with people and I want to answer them. Oh, the tough thing about this world too, is that you can't just Google a lot of the stuff. <laughs> no, you get lots of different answers. Yeah. But you get lots of different answers in, in this world too. That's, that's true. Cause excavation construction is different everywhere mm-hmm. around, around the country and around the world. And I think it goes the other way as well, because there's a lot of guys like we were talking about. We we're talking about the Deets boys, or you have Dane Cotton dicking around with the scrapers right now, or <laughs> <laughs> whoever it is. But there's a lot of other people out there trying different stuff. Oh yeah. And even if it's just like, how's that working out for you? Yeah. And just seeing how other people are doing things differently, it's just, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah. It's mind blowing to see what's going on out there. And mm-hmm. hey, if you can make it work. Great. If you can't make it work, then you got to change it up a little bit. But the more perspectives you have on a situation, the more likely you are to figure it out what has to happen in order to be efficient and profitable on that job. Yeah. And the more the more ideas you have, the more heads you put together, the quicker you're going to figure that out. Well, social media is a super effective way to do that. I mean, you can just ask a question on social media like, what do you guys think about this? You'll probably get a hundred answers back. Oh yeah. Well, it seems like the posts that have the most engagement yeah. are ones where you just put up a picture and you just ask a question on it mm. and you get everybody that knows everything about everything telling you exactly how they do it. Mm-hmm. And then you get some of those direct messages that are sincere and they tell you what their thought is on it. And then they ask you what your thought is on it. And those are the ones that, that are interesting. The keyboard wears, they can just, they, they can just uh, stay stuck in their hole. Yeah, but they're, like, you've been around long enough, and I feel like I've been around long enough where there's not a whole lot of that. Every once in a while. You'd be and, surprised. Uh, yeah, but you get it, and you're like, <laughs> get the hell out of here. Yeah. And, and you don't apply a whole lot of, or at least I don't apply a whole lot of thought to it whenever it happens. Yeah. But I'm in a, I'm in a weird area, too, because I'm playing in the space you guys play in, but I'm not a contractor. Yep. But you can find the answer out really quickly. Well, that's all I do all day long. I just connect people. Yeah. That's, I just, I, I've realized that I have developed this network that is pretty dynamic at this point in this industry. Yeah. And that's all I do. I just, I'm just listening to people. What are their problems? And yeah, I have some guy that could probably help you out. Yep. Here's his number. Connect, connect, <laughs> connect. I mean, every single day of the week, I'm connecting somebody with somebody Yeah. to help facilitate that that learning yep and that's what it's all about learning from others Mm -hmm. and not making the same mistake that they made you know when they were in that same exact position yeah and that's where that's where this type of networking comes in huge yeah well you need more of that in the dirt world everybody's so closed off and so the traditional guys are they just keep to themselves but it's why we're in the problem we're in 
Yeah. And it's funny because I have a lot of competitors that watch what I do mm. silently. Yeah. You know, and I, I could care less. You know, it's it's just one of those things where I'll help you if you want help. And if you don't need help, that's fine too. Just do your, do your thing because you've been doing it for how long and just continue. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, you got to figure it out. Sure. Well, you have a house to demo. Yep. Supposed to go do that today. Yeah. You just got <laughs> off a plane before this. Yeah. Messing around in Peoria. Messing around. Uh, uh, literally messing around in Peoria. It's actually quite fun, really. Jared, isn't Jared the man? He's freaking hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because Sam Meeker, right? Uh-huh. He, he's he's funny. Yeah. And he's he can do stand-up, right? Yeah. And him and I did it at the Global Operator Challenge. The semifinals back in North Carolina, we did this easy doze it challenge and Caterpillar videotaped it and they put it up on social media. And it was, you know, it was, it was hilarious. It was just him and I just more or less just ad lib, just mm-hmm. going right after it and not scripted or nothing. Just, just having a good time with it. Sure. And then you go back to Caterpillar and you have guys like Jared, you know, he's, he's hilarious. And we have these headphones on and we're running the equipment together, you know, and we're talking to each other and we're all running different tractors and we're, we're doing one task, you know, and we're all working towards this one task. And it's funny cause man, him and I were just going back and forth and laughing and giggling and you could hear everybody like that was up, like there's a room where you can actually watch from mm-hmm. and, uh, you could hear, you could hear people and they're laughing about it, you know, what we were saying. And there were some innuendos that were said that yeah. were, oh, I'm were sure. just funny, yeah. you know, and <laughs> It's one of those things where if you weren't there, you wouldn't really make sense to you. But if you were there and you were listening to it in the moment, it was hilarious. Jared, he's like a, he has the excitement of like a six-year-old around equipment too. Oh, yeah. He just loves it. He just loves it. Yeah. We were done with this course that we had to build and, and shape and grade. We were done with it. And he's running this 299 around in high speed. And we seriously couldn't get him out. He's like, oh, no, I think I'm going to stay in here all night. You know, it's just, we're like, dude, like, we got to do this other part. And it was funny because the guys there at Edwards, they told us that they had built this course and got it ready for the skid loader and done this water barrel challenge in 22 minutes. And at first we're like, we got to beat them. And we're like, nah, forget it. We're just going to do our thing. And we're, and so we just kind of did our thing. And then Jared was in the skid loader for probably 45 minutes after we were done, mm-hmm. just dicking around and like, hey, dude, let's go, you know? He's a hell of an operator he, in that little thing. Yeah, he's good in it. Because the dirt work he does is is crazy. It's all it's all free form. Yeah. It's all got to be done more or less with transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because not everybody can do a jump. Not everybody can build their correct transition into it. I've had lots of operators that have tried to come out and help me like with grooming a, a motocross track, mm-hmm. they just can't do it. Mm. They don't understand it. Like everything has to be flat and level to them. I'm like, no, you got to go up. You got to build transitions. You got to roll to the top. Yeah. And they just don't get it. But like Jared and that whole group, they understand. And he's good in a dozer and he's good in, and he's good in a skid loader. Yeah. It was funny. He was running an excavator and it was funny that at the end he, he was doing just fine, but then we told him to change the bucket up. And he, <laughs> It was pretty funny. <laughs> the, the thing about him, though, he, he's not afraid of looking stupid. 
Not at all. Because he's 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 basically just done stupid shit for yep. his entire life. I mean, that's how you get to the point he's at is you yeah. just have to try and fail a yep. bunch of times over. Yep. A ton of times over. Yeah. And so he's, he'll just get in stuff and he's like, I don't care if I look <laughs> dumb. I'm going to give her hell. Well, yeah, he was, we were pushing up this pile, this big, huge pile. And he was on one side. I was on the other side. He was in running the D3 and I was running the D6 going up the hill. And I asked him, I said, Jared, where are you at? He's, cause you can't see him. He's on the other side of the pile. He says, oh, I'm down at the bottom. I says, I was going to come over. He says, you're going to come over? I says, yeah, I'll come over that thing. He says, I'll back up. So I went up and over the top. He's like, whoa, <laughs> you know? And then I backed back over. He's going to back back over it. I said, yeah, I'm going to back back over it. The next thing you know, he comes up and over the top of it too. You know, it's like, yeah, it, like he's the type where he wants to do it, but he's not sure if it can be done. Just because of his, of his not really lack of experience, but just limited mm -hmm. experience, right? And so, and then it was funny because we were running the scrapers and him and Tom Gardaki were running the scrapers and they were, they were cutting and they were filling. Well, Jared gets up on this one side. He's never run one before. He's not, he's not sure of the capabilities of it. Well, he gets up on this one pile and he's like, he's like sideways mm -hmm. and it's, it's angled slanted. And, and it's funny because one of the cat guys is like, no, you're okay. You're okay. And he's just like creeping. <laughs> You could tell he's over just pooping his pants. He's just like, I think I'm going to tip this thing over. Because that's I'm, what it feels like, oh, especially yeah. when you're higher up off the ground in a scraper like that. The cab's a little ways up there. Yeah. So when you're tipping over, it, it, <laughs> when you're leaning, it feels like you're leaning. Well, yeah. And I didn't realize, like, just how touchy the steering is. Mm -hmm. Like, when you get into it, you steer the steering wheel just a little bit. Man, it just, it's like, it's like jerky at first because yeah. you're not used to it. Yeah. Then you get used to it, but it's just like, oh my gosh. Well, then, so I could only imagine his his perspective. The complexity of two throttles. Oh yeah. Two pedals to worry about <laughs> and two engines. Yeah. <laughs> controlling one, you know, one drivetrain <laughs> each. And it's uh Yeah. Well they had this thing, this this little this little touch button. And it's like it's a, it's a soft touch button. Well, it's like an auto button. Like when mm. to go to, to go to load it. Well, like he was running on that. And at first he wasn't. And they're like, hey, Jared, do you remember with the one we showed you up there? He's like, oh, yeah, mate, I'm going to put that one in, you know? And then he's like, oh, this is so much easier. <laughs> it was just so funny. It's just funny to listen to him, you know, because he's got yeah. the accent going. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a little kid, you yeah, know? He's like a little kid. He's just got, like you said, he's just got so much enthusiasm for what mm -hmm. for what he's doing out there, which just makes it all around a good, a good, fun person to be around. I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah, he's He's, I think he'll have some cool things coming up. Totally. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for stopping by. I'll let yeah. you get to your house demolition. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see you in Nashville. I want to come back there. I'll bring my wife. Yeah, please do. Yeah. She yeah. wants to see it. We'd love to have you guys. She wants to see, see the area back there for sure. Cool. All right. Well, that was uh, Ryan Goodfellow, everybody. <laughs>